Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, Making Your World Better. Today's guest is very unique. She, in fact, is planning in 2020 to create the first peace summit in space. You heard correctly. Her name is Namira Saleem. She was born in Karachi, Pakistan. And Namira is an avid promoter of private spaceflight, the new age of space exploration, and a keen advocate of peaceful uses of space. She has undertaken pioneering peace expeditions to the both poles of the world, and she is the first Pakistani astronaut. And she's also the first woman from Monaco and the UAE to have reached the North and South Poles in 2007 and 2008. Mira holds a Master of International Affairs from Columbia University, and she's a regular speaker at top space industry events and the UN conferences. And she's also held official peace-themed expeditions in the United Nations General Assembly in New York. My guess is you can already tell that this show will give you a brand new perspective on things and inspire you to new heights. Enjoy today's show. Namira, thank you so much for calling in today. We're glad you're on the show. Thank you for inviting me, Rob. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, you have a fascinating story and you've been involved with so many unique adventures. Maybe just start with telling us a bit where you grew up and who or what inspired you to do what you're doing today. Well, I grew up in Pakistan and uh, it's very interesting that as a child, I was born believing that I would go to space. And I often say that space makes my DNA. I don't know what it was, but I just always believed that I would become an astronaut, and I was fascinated by the mystical night sky and uh, the mystery of the of, of the stars. And as a child, you know, I started stargazing because my father was in the military, and he introduced me to the North Pole because, you know, he knew those constellations. Um, since he was taught to navigate the, you know, skies um, during his travels, for example. So he was the one who introduced me to the stars, and since then, my fascination never ended. And I remember that even when I was as little as five years old, I would cry and say that, you know, I want to go to space and I don't want toys. <laughs> so it was something I was a bug that was in me from like, like an inborn bug. <laughs> I love it. Well, and it's so fun to have the, your own father, you know, inspire you to want to go to space one of these days. So as you've grown up and obviously now you're a, a world leader, who or what motivates you today? Well, um, really, I mean, I think it's the pain that we all go through in life that, um, you know, helps us um, come out of our comfort zone and make a difference. And I think that now that, you know, everyone, no one gets younger with time and with more years into my life, I've had a very good life. I've enjoyed myself, you know, being um, an icon for my country, uh, a role of inspiration for Pakistani women and men alike. And, you know, after a certain point uh, of achieving all these, you know, polar and space-oriented feats, 
I ask myself, you know, how could I make the world a better place? And I have experience in the private space industry now for the last 11 years because I'm a founder astronaut of uh, Sir Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic. So I learned a lot in the space industry, you know, being um, sort of part of the process of developing the first private space line of the world, which he has named as Virgin Galactic. And uh, over the years, when I went to the polls, I also, you know, raised a peace flag. Wherever I went, I took a peace flag with me. When I exhibited my art at the UN, it was all, all about peace. So I thought that now it's really about coming together, you know, putting this all together and bringing peace you know, from space. So that's what's really inspired me. And in the process, I saw my country, you know, earn a very bad image, which hurt me because, you know, we are very moderate as Pakistanis. Uh, Pakistan is not an extreme nation at all. Um, that hurt. And then, you know, things happen in life. Um, you know, as we live on this earth, our differences are always bigger than what unites us. But from space, what divides us is is less than what unites us. You know, it overtakes what unites us. So I just wanted to bring these two thought leaderships together and these two sentiments together to make the world a better place. And that's what's inspired me. Well, it's been very impressive, all the different things you've done. And, and I've got to ask, so how did you connect with Richard Branson in the first place? And obviously then things took off from there. Tell us about that story a bit. Well, um, I think what happened with, with Richard was that, you know, the the first private space flight that went up commercially was in uh, 2004, and it was uh, a, a, a spaceship that won the $10 million Ansari X Prize, and that's what jump-started the private space industry. Um, so I was like one of the first people to call Virgin Galactic when they had not even st- set up offices, and I ended up you know, joining as a founder in uh, January of 2006. And then uh, Richard was coming to Dubai two months later in March of 2006 to launch Virgin Atlantic, and he also wanted to launch Virgin Galactic at the same time. And I was invited by them uh, to to be part of the press launch with Richard and that he would introduce me to the global media as like the first female to go to space from Dubai and one of the earliest founders of of, uh, Virgin Galactic. So, I mean, this was like overwhelming because, you know, I think I was just in the right place at the right time and an early person to join in and bring in a lot of diversity into Virgin Galactic, which is why I had, you know, this opportunity. And so my first meeting with Richard was during the press launch, and, uh, you know, he launched me as the first astronaut to go to space from the UAE, an early founder of, of Virgin Galactic, and, um, you know, I became very well-known because of that, because it was a global launch, and the entire world media was there. We had interviews with CNN and you name it, Sky News, etc. And then the news went global and my country discovered this news and they invited me officially and they launched me in, in Pakistan as the first Pakistani astronaut, which is kind of interesting because, you know, I, as a little girl, I always said I would become an astronaut when I was and I was growing up in Pakistan. And I loved NASA and I used to tell myself how, you know, I'm not a U.S. citizen, and I could never go to space with NASA, but then I used to get so inspired that my initials are the same as NASA's initials, and, you know, I used to think that it's the biggest parallel, and, you know, I used to be just inspired by something as little as that. But today, with all my work, I'm proud to say that NASA has noticed what I'm doing, and, you know, they have been part of my events. The last two events I held in the U.S., they have attended them, 
and they're very supportive of what I'm doing. So I, I feel very proud in general. Well, you should be. I mean, that's incredible. The first Pakistani astronaut and, uh, again, accomplishing a goal of a little girl when you first were growing up and then you actually accomplished that. That's fantastic. Um, well, you know, what's interesting about this show and you that people may not know is, you know, as a nonprofit show, we feature people that either are leaders of or supporters of nonprofits. Well, you are the founder of Space Trust, which, according to your website, it's a nonprofit initiative or a social enterprise that champions world peace through novel space-themed initiatives to inspire change encourage dialogue, and enrich education. Your goal is to create innovative solutions for a peaceful world. So how did you get this nonprofit started, and what would you like to accomplish through your organization? This nonprofit is, again, a, a result of my experience in the space industry for the last 11 years and my peace missions around the globe as a polar explorer and as an artist. So the idea is, again, to bring peace and space together, and I'm basically promoting through this uh, nonprofit uh, you know, the thought leadership that space is actually already become, uh, you know, a concrete platform for international cooperation and peacemaking, uh, you know, with the International Space Station being in orbit, where astronauts from 15 different countries are partners. They have 15 partners to the International Space Station, and astronauts from all these countries go up there to make the world a better place and to improve the human condition and the human spirit on Earth. And, you know, whatever politics may exist between countries on Earth like Russia and the U.S., in space they are still working together peacefully for the benefit of all mankind alike. So this inspired me a lot, and I believe that, you know, with, at the advent of commercial space flight, uh, you know, we are going to see, like, the first private space station in orbit by 2025 when the International Space Station retires. And, you know, I feel that one day in space we can have convenings and peace summits. And I'm spearheading the idea of the first peace summit in space by 2030 to support the UN Sustainable Development Goals of 2030. And uh, even though it sounds very far-fetched and maybe even crazy, I have actually been presenting this uh, in, in the top events of the space industry and UN conferences related to space since the last one year. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm pleased to say that I have a lot of support from the space industry and UN circles alike. And we're actually, you know, uh, working on making this a very concrete project because whatever I'm talking about, it's not something that's up in the air. It is totally possible. It's, it's totally realistic because due to the commercialization of space, everybody has equal access, low-cost access to space, and space is inclusive for everybody, including not just spacefaring nations but new space nations, developing countries. So our next project <clears throat> is going to be actually a peace mission to space. And again, I have the right people cooperating with me on it, and it's very early to talk about that, but we will have a peace summit, uh, sorry, a peace mission to space in the lead-up to um, my idea of having a peace summit in space. And I'm focusing on, in the UN context, through this peace summit, which I've branded as Zero G Summit, Zero Gravity Summit, it's been inspired by G summits that happen on Earth, like G20, G7. Um, so Zero G Summit is basically about space diplomacy in a new space age. So how we can use space to promote peace on Earth and utilize space as a sustainable tool for peacemaking on Earth. And my objective, my vision is really to one day be able to accomplish this uh, peace summit in space. And I've been already interviewing world leaders, you know, politicians, former presidents, for the idea, and they're all very supportive. Um, 
I launched the first Zero-G Summit on Earth on 18th September on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly. I had two former presidents there. One of them was a female former president. And then, you know, I've also engaged some of the former presidents from my country. So, I mean, it's a very concrete project, and I'm very excited to, you know, lead this. And uh, even if I accomplish, you know, a fraction of it, I think it would be a big, big accomplishment. Um, in this lifetime. I'm very impressed with that. And, you know, it's interesting as you talk and describe this, it is interesting that um, at times it seems very difficult, and maybe particularly now with tensions between various countries, uh, including North Korea and the United States and North Korea and and Japan and other countries. Um, Why do you think it's been so much, up to this point anyway, so much easier to create a sense of peace and a sense of cooperation out in space, if you will, than it is uh, on Earth, you know, wh- why, what's the difference? Why, why do you think it's, uh, right now anyway, it's been easier for you to generate that peaceful co-mission with all these different countries? Whenever any astronaut comes back from space, they talk about the overview effect, which is about having, you know, uh, the view of Earth from space, which is beyond political boundaries. So all political boundaries dissolve from space, and these astronauts have been coming back for the last 60 years advocating the idea of one humanity, one world from up there, you know, a, a tiny blue dot in the middle of a big universe, and, and to, you know, basically work for peace uh, in this world, and, and, you know, also to show to politicians what it's like to see Earth from space and to make that difference in their minds, to create that paradigm shift. In space, what unites us overrides what divides us, and that is always greater, and it creates a paradigm shift. So, you know, when you are sitting up there in space, you're really working for the entire humanity, you know, and making a contribution uh, with space technologies for peaceful uses on Earth. And, you know, that's my whole point, that when you are in space, when you are in orbit, you know, you really cannot let the differences divide you. And... And that's the only place, I think, where peace can be made. Because on Earth, even though I'm leading such a big project, you know, I have differences too around my, you know, in my environment with certain people. And and, and those differences do take over. They do overpower. It's very hard to fight those or to overlook those or to rise above. But from space, we are all inspired, you know, and we are all... Uh, motivated to see the world from a different viewpoint and different perspective altogether. So I think that peace really cannot be made on this earth. We always have our, you know, political motivations, our self-interest driving us. But when you go to space, you know, you really go and see it all in a very broad and, you know, humanitarian, universal context. And you get affected by the view of earth and by that whole paradigm shift. I think that, you know, we really need to step out of this earth, or in other words, you know, whenever we are in any kind of conflict, I think we need to become neutral, we need to step away from it and analyze it from outside to be able to find a solution. So I similarly, I feel that, you know, if, if we are to go and make peace on this earth, if we detach ourselves from all our differences and step aside and look back, you know, it would just make the world a much better place. And that is what motivates me to get some politicians up there and some presidents up there and one day, you know, have this peace summit up there. And uh, whether or not it happens in my lifetime, all I know is I'll be conducting the first peace mission to space very soon. And I hope that I can raise that peace flag in my lifetime in orbit 
to actually, you know, lay the foundation of what I'm talking about right now. I'm really inspired by your vision and I'm very impressed with your desire to bring about peace and to bring all these leaders together and look at Earth, as you said, from a different perspective. I think it's pretty impressive and uh, look forward to hearing more about how that works out. Uh, as I think about the mechanics now, you know, this is, again, on our show, we talk a lot about uh, fundraising, we talk about social enterprise, we show, talk about different mechanics of running and leading a nonprofit. Um, you had mentioned that um, uh, Space Trust is a social enterprise, and so talk about a little bit about that. How does that work, and how does your funding work when it comes to Space Trust? Well, a social, <coughs> a social enterprise is really um, a new term that's been introduced lately, and I think in the U.S. you have got even a structure for companies that are actually for profit but then they do things uh, for corporate uh, you know corporate social responsibility is very important to them but my company remains a non-profit but the social enterprise part only means that you know uh, corporate social responsibility or making the world a better place is the overriding factor in it so you know we are really working around those peace themes and that's what really matters to us and that's what we really like to implement and regarding funding, um, at this stage we are pretty young. We are hardly two years old, and I have not yet, you know, approached anybody for formal funding. But I've been f- basically uh, using family funds and my own funds to, um, you know, finance our basic needs, our travels, and representation at conferences, sponsorships, partnerships. So it does add up. I mean, it's costing me quite a bit, but. You know, it's also very rewarding in the process, and the kind of recognition I'm getting from, you know, the highest, uh, you know, actors in the space industry is just very, very fulfilling. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I think I mean by social enterprise. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, as you think about the vision that you have to bring all these world leaders together and, and have a peace summit one of these days in space— as you think about your organization, specifically the Space Trust, and uh, what you would like to accomplish say, in the next three, four, five years, what do you envision it to become? Like, what's your dream for Space Trust? Well, by 2020, we are planning the first peace mission in space with the support of uh, a UN office. Uh, and beyond that, I think that, you know, by the mid-2020s, I may like to actually hoist a peace flag myself to lay the foundation of this whole project in space. And by 2030, we are actually planning to come together in some kind of a convening in space because by by the mid-2020s, we will have the first private space station in space already because, as I said, by then, the International Space Station retires. And a commercial space station would be available for um, you know, uh, to anybody for that matter, like private companies, uh, organizations, and, and you could, you know, basically uh, get some, you know, space in there or time uh, to your, you know, for your projects to, to implement any anything that one wants to do up there in space. So these opportunities are opening up, and, uh, you know, we hope that they will be also very viable and accessible in the near future. That's excellent. You know, as you think about, you know, we talk to a lot of guests on our show and they talk about the differences between what a nonprofit provides and versus a government agency, say, or a for-profit business. It's interesting that you chose to start a nonprofit or a social enterprise, if you will, uh, when you started Space Trust. Is there a reason why you did that? Or, or do you feel like, um, you know, maybe a, a for-profit 
business would be better to do what you're doing? What what motivated you to specifically uh, create a nonprofit in order to bring about some of these goals you just mentioned? Well, to tell you the truth, it was supposed to be a for-profit company, uh, like a private space flight company in the private in- space industry. But then uh, there were some technical reasons why it became a, a prof- non-profit. Um, and, and the main reason was because, you know, we have the word trust in, in the organization. So any organization with the word trust has to be a non-profit. And also the, the philosophy and the vision of uh, Space Trust really remains more of a, you know, an international non-profit organization. So I just let it be like that. And our next initiative... Uh, like I told you, is the Peace Summit, which is branded as Zero G Summit, Zero Gravity Summit. So we might actually uh, set up another organization just for that particular initiative, which is the main main initiative, lead initiative of Space Trust anyway. So uh, I don't know yet what form that will take, um, but yeah, we, we will find out in due course. Yeah, and what I find interesting is I've read more about your work. You've been really good about bringing together, if you will, the for-profit world, the government agency world, uh, you know, particularly the UN, and then you coming from a nonprofit perspective. How have you gone about bringing those three entities together to be successful? Because it's obvious you've been successful so far. What's been your secret, so to speak? Yes, I think it's good timing. Um, the UN normally doesn't deal with individuals, and my organization is not um, a member or like does not have consultative status with ECOSOC or the UN. It's not an affiliate. Uh, but the UN Office of Outer Space Affairs in Vienna, which is my main point of contact in the UN system for space and for my projects, uh, has a certain mandate which allows it to engage with individuals and at every level because they are actually going through something they call the Unispace Plus 50 conference, uh, sorry, the Unispace Plus 50 process, which is leading up to a big conference next year in uh, 2018 in June uh, to what they call Unispace Plus 50 conference, and that's going to mark the 60th anniversary of the first one that was held, you know, in um, to promote peaceful uses of space. And... Uh, so in this process, they have been given the, the you know permission to engage all sectors and at every level. So because this UN office is able to deal with individuals, I have worked very closely with them, and uh, there has been no no problem involving them. And because of their backing and because of the thought leadership and the vision of what I'm doing, which is about space diplomacy, you know I did gather the influ- the interest of space agencies, the top space agencies. Um, when we were launched, you know, I was in, in Monaco. Space Trust was inaugurated in Monaco in the presence of the prince there, uh, Prince Albert II. And, you know, at that time I had Roscosmos, uh, which is the Russian space agency, as our partners. They flew in specially, and we paid tribute to the Russian space flight program. And I had, you know, my own space agency from Pakistan, Suparko, the chairman of Suparko, flew in. So, I mean, the way I have been organizing my events, you know, it's just sort of fallen in place for people to get involved because the first event was about paying tribute to the Russian space flight program. So the Russians came in. Um, Pakistan was naturally interested because I was a Pakistani organizing it, so they supported the event. Now, uh, when I launched the event about, you know, Zero-G Summit and Space Diplomacy on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly, um, I had representation from NASA because... You know, obviously, it's it's a very global 
topic and uh, who wouldn't want to get involved and it's a, it was really like along the lines of the UN global agenda, this, the sustainable development goals of 2030. Uh, we had former NASA, high-level former NASA officials there. So, I mean, it's just the way I think I'm positioning things that's helping a lot and it's also inspiring a lot of people. That's the thing. Whoever I speak to gets inspired. I mean, my first meeting in, on the Capitol Hill was at... Uh, at the State Department, and the person I met there was highly inspired by what I was doing, and he was very supportive, you know, and that led to some good good meetings with them. Um, I've been able to engage also um, uh, Congressman Bidenstein, who's actually uh, been nominated as the NASA Administrator by President Trump, and, you know, I'm very proud that my first event in the U.S. was held uh, in his presence. So, um, again, because, you know, He's a great advocate of space diplomacy, and, and he's a big visionary when it comes to peaceful uses of space. So it was very easy to engage him. So it's really about the thought leadership that I'm pursuing, which is very inspirational. It's very universal. It's very non-controversial. I'm not addressing anything that I wouldn't get too far with. For example, a lot of people talk about demilitarization of space. I don't want to address that because I'm going to be one of the many you know, voices in that world, and I'll probably be too small. So, you know, there's no point going that way. And I I want to address the more soft, the soft diplomacy side of things, the peaceful uses of space, because I think that's, that's what what is uniting people towards my vision. It's inspiring people. But if I go the other route, it's going to start dividing people, you know. So I think that's the secret. Well, you know, if people are listening to this podcast and want to know a little bit more about Space Trust, about what you're doing and how maybe they could get involved, where would you point them? How would they uh, get more information? Yeah, well, we have a website. So it's spacetrust.com. And there's a contact page there. And they're welcome to, you know, drop me. Um, an email through that page and, you know, we will get back to them. Well, this has been fascinating. Again, my guest today is Namira Saleem. She was born in Karachi, Pakistan. Uh, she's a regular speaker at top space industry events and at UN conferences. She's held official peace theme exhibitions through the United Nations General Assembly in New York City and she's joining us today through the phone. And, and Namira, thank you so much for telling your story to us. Um, your work is fascinating and I think for many people, uh, this is a whole new frontier and not to steal from uh, these space-themed movies, but it really is. You're in a whole other realm, if you will. So thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for taking time to be on the show today. Thank you very much. It's the new frontier, if I may add. It's the new frontier for peace. Well said. Well said. Absolutely. I want to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.